This is Digital Lee from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. I'm David Schifrin. This is our first real episode, so if you stumbled in here and are wondering what it's about, please check out the intro, episode zero, on whatever platform you're listening on now. In short, we've got Lee Acey, a pioneer in digital and social media for healthcare, who just retired for more than two decades at the Mayo Clinic, among other positions. Every other week, Lee and myself will review three things, a trend or headline related to digital healthcare, a social media platform, and then a quick tip for healthcare Marcom and digital teams. Today, we're covering a story about the use of social media for finding health information, an overview of the audio platform Clubhouse, and considerations for building a good social media policy. All right, so let's let's kick this thing off with our, our first news story, an article from Forbes, saying that one in 10 Americans turn to social media for health information. I'm going to bias the conversation a little bit before I kick it over to you, Lee by saying that I was really surprised that the number was only one in 10, only about 10%. I would have guessed, I don't know, 40% maybe. But what's your reaction to the rise of, of social media as a, as a health information platform? Yeah, well, I think you need to put it in context that in the survey of 1,000 patients on patients like me, they found only 16% went to traditional news. So if it's if you're only 16% for traditional news, the fact that you're 11% for social media isn't that far behind. I um, mean, they did see that you know Google search and disease and condition sites like WebMD and MayoClinic.org, you know, were kind of in that 30%-ish range, 30-35%. So I think the reality though is that people don't go to social media; they go to their friends. So it isn't like social media in general, but they're looking at what do the people that they connect with on social media have to say? So I think that's the, you know, who do they really trust? And I think we've seen a declining trust in some of the various news outlets that, that has brought, probably brought that down. And so, yeah, I probably would have been predisposed to think it would, that number would be for social media going in. But I think what we've kind of just generally seen in, in society is kind of a breakdown in who's your trusted source. And that kind of gets to the participation versus trust gets to another finding in there, which where they found only 2% of people actually trust social media, nine, nine or 11, depending on which number you're looking at, go to social media for information, but only 2% trust it. So it's more, it, it, that implies that it's exploratory. All right, let's turn our attention to the platform of the week or whatever we want to call this thing. There's a new-ish, I guess it's really not that new at this point, but still relatively obscure platform called Clubhouse, which is essentially audio chats, sort of live audio rooms. And I think it's become more popular among business types over the last year or so, different way for folks to engage. But because we are starting to see more folks kind of bring up the idea of this interactive audio approach rather than either live chats or text-based social media. Uh, Lee, why should should healthcare providers be paying attention to Clubhouse? And if so, uh, why? Yeah, Clubhouse is a really neat uh, platform. Twitter Spaces is, a, is an analogous uh, platform within the, within the Twitter universe. And the whole idea behind it is it's live interactive audio chats that instead of uh, just listening to a recording, for the most part, you're you're able to interact uh, directly with people compared to regular old-fashioned Twitter chats where people are texting in, like where anybody can run into the conversation. They're much more moderated, much more orderly, and so I, I think there's a lot of there's been a lot of growth. 
I think Clubhouse had a good strategy at first when they were making invitation only at first to make it a, a better, more consistent user experience and also feeling somewhat exclusive so that that way people had to get an invitation to be able to join. And so they perhaps valued it more. So um, my first Gmail so I address. Think, uh, <laughs> I like that or the facebook back in the day you know <laughs> yeah. so but yeah because it because it was somewhat exclusive it uh was kind of a cool thing uh to get an invitation to be able to participate in it um i have found for a lot of the same reasons that people use podcasts and where there's been this resurgence in podcasts you know led by joe rogan and then so many others after that where the fact that you can multitask, the fact that you can, you know, be listening and driving, you can listen to a, a podcast on something of a very personal interest and go into it in, in great depth. And likewise, some of these clubhouse chats can go on for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour where uh, you're having a conversation and it's moderated by leaders who are inviting people in to uh, share their perspective. So it isn't as noisy. So it's it's got audio, but it's not as noisy as compared to like a Twitter chat where um, just anybody can use the hashtag and, and jump in with, with a point. So is there any, uh, should providers be considering using this for, you know, weekly health chat, getting their physicians out in the world? Or is, uh, you know, I guess, is, is there a relevance for, for Marcom teams? Yeah, well, I think there's definitely something to be, explored there uh, to at least test it to see how it works in your particular context. Because and one of the beauties of it is that unlike the Zoom, which has become, you know, the thing that uh, people are using or, or Facebook Live or some of the other uh, platforms that include video, there just isn't much production. You know, it, it can be much more informal. You can just do it with a smartphone because that's the only way you can do it is with a smartphone. And you don't have to be worried about hair and makeup and all that you know, lighting. It, it can be focusing much more on the nature of the content of the conversation without having to worry about some of the aesthetics. It's kind of like video killed the radio star, you know, back in the <laughs> day. This is sort of like the radio star's uh, revenge. All right, let's move on to the the final section. We'll get better. We'll get better titles for each of these sections. Tip of the day. And with so much happening around nurses and doctors getting more and more involved in kind of talking about their field and their work and what they're seeing behind, maybe not behind closed doors, but within the four walls of their their facility and definitely much more noise and frankly anger on social media on both on all sides. It's a really good time to be evaluating your social media policy. So um, what's one or two key tips for a good, strong social media policy for a healthcare provider when looking to uh, ensure that their employees are kind of staying in line without stifling uh, the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely uh, agree with the wanting to make it facilitating and encouraging and putting up guardrails instead of roadblocks. I think the other one of the other elements is just to make sure that you're being legal with it because a lot of times people will want to put in a policy that says you can't say anything bad about our organization online that reflects poorly on us. It's like the National Labor Relations Board has said that, you know, 
concerted effort, concerted discussions around wages, hours, and working conditions as protected speech that you need to need to guard people's ability to do that. And so you have to realize that there will be the good with the bad, but that you can have standards for professionalism and for mutual respect. And that applies whether people are on duty or off. And I think the other part of it is is just effective communication of the policy. And the, the idea isn't to be a gotcha thing. It isn't, it isn't so that, oh, good, we can fire you. <laughs> it's about how do we keep people out of the out of the ditch? How do we keep people from doing things that will reflect poorly on the organization because it just isn't good practice? They get into a heated discussion and they kind of spout off on something, but just to to be in front of people, to be giving them the guidance, the 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 examples of the, the kind of things that they can do and should do, and then the things that they would be best to avoid. That, you know, the training and the education, I think, are the are the really key elements. Great. Well, thanks. First episode, first conversation in the books. Magically edited to sound super smart. You know, that's what uh, that's what I do. That's why you get the big bucks.